Welcome, everybody. Oh my God, season four to Set Stories podcast. You guys, you guys should know by now. My name is Hoodie McGarrian. I have my boy, Charles Cartwright, with me. Hola. Hello. Long time no see, buddy. I know. It's been like five hours since I saw it's, you, but. <laughs> literally, because we, we were filming late last night, but um, that's fine. We that's were creating, you know what I'm saying? Jonathan isn't here with us. Uh, he might do a little surprise episode here or there this season, but he's been, he's a busy guy. So he's going to he, be. Does he have a girlfriend now? Is that, is that. that his girlfriend is he's married to the movies like we all are but yeah he's uh he's with us in spirit as always we love so jonathan you, we love you jonathan he might stay tuned for the season guys so he might make a surprise episode i don't know but he's super busy he's out there making those set stories yeah he's making movies he's so out there just for set stories he's exactly. doing sound now just to get set stories to share on the podcast exactly. not even exactly. for money he's killing it on set we love you jonathan uh, but today's episode, our very first guest, you guys, you guys have heard him before. He's been on the podcast before. Welcome back, Toby Kirton. Oh, my Lord. I'm so happy to have you back. Good morning, on. America. Yes. <laughs> How are you? How are you? Good morning. How have you been? I'm surviving. Has... That's that's a very good answer. I think that's, that's what I say mentally. all the time. Yeah. Exactly right. Both. I care about both. Well, we're all still here, and we're still mm -hmm. doing what we love doing. So I think that's a, that's a tick in the right box, right? Yes, it yes, is. Yes. During COVID, the film industry thrives and abuses. <laughs> well, <laughs> what did they need? What What did people need during lockdown? Movies and hey, entertainment, and that's what we provided them. So, mm -hmm. yes. But how have you been? Thank you so much for being on the show again. I know you were like so excited. And you were like one of my favorite episodes. No offense. <clears throat> to, no, I'm just don't kidding. Tell <laughs> don't, 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 don't tell anyone. They don't even listen to the podcast. I don't know. <laughs> I, re I read your, actually really recently, I read your um, description on the episode and it was very touching. Of course, very everything touching. I say is true. You're, you, you, said you're I, you said I have, you said I have artistic discipline. You do. Which, which I, which is a huge compliment. Dude, I've seen uh, your it's short film. It's basically a it's it's basically a nice word. Of, it's basically a nice way of saying asshole. <laughs> uh, <laughs> a euphemism for no. asshole. Art, artistic. I didn't. Discipline. I didn't mean that, Toby. Not at all. She, no. she, she received all the letters from complaints from crew. That's well, you're you're a director, so usually like independent film directors are kind of artistic assholes. I'm not going to get started <laughs> uh, with the set stories, but oh god, that that is euphemism. One director I was uh, I worked with, he's incredibly bad. My other friend Helena, uh, she was on the podcast. She's she's working with this director. Uh, claimed that he said he's better than Steven Spielberg or something like Whoa. he's the next Steven Spielberg. And uh, I read it to one other person that said something like that. Oh, it was a student film. Uh, I was on a student film. This kid was a cinematographer for the film, and we we're shooting on an SR3 Super 16. And the whole time he was shooting DPing behind the camera. He was just like, oh, man, I'm the best. I, I was, he said these words, I was born to DP. And I was watching him operate the camera. He's doing these zooms. I'm like, okay, this, I'm like, it looks kind of weird from my perspective. The director got the footage back. He spent $2,000 in getting it processed, scanned and all that. He said not one frame was usable because that guy didn't, he was like, bro, I don't know what he did behind that camera. But he wow. does that. There's a lesson to the story, isn't it? You can talk all you want. You gotta, you gotta let the uh, work speak for itself. You know? Yeah, <laughs> mm -hmm. that's Product. important. And when it comes to directors' personalities, I mean, 
there's some there's some guys I really admire who like James Cameron. He he's a he's a bit of an authoritative figure. He's a fantastic filmmaker. Would I want to live with him? Probably not. Um, but he's uh, his work. Once again, it speaks for itself. You know. Yeah. He was captain of the Titanic. He was the real captain of the Titanic. Yeah. Jim Cameron. Yeah. So he made it sink. Is that what you're saying? He made it swim and he made it sink. Yes. But uh, so yeah. But he was uh, but he was sailing on his way to the bank. That's what he was doing. Sorry. Very 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 rich bank. Um, Yes. Um, But yeah, do you have any stories for us, Toby? Because we'd love to hear. Oh, he doesn't. What you've been working on? No, I just I just decided to show up and (laughs) Um, (laughs) just just to see you lovely people. Um, Thank you. I do have a story. It relates to a shoot that we did. It was the uh, the last feature I worked on, which goes to show how desperate I am. The last physical set I was on, which was physical feature set that I was on, which was in November of last year, and um, it was a big it was a big shoot. It was an independent film. It was a thriller. It was set not far from where I live, which was convenient in the countryside in the UK, and um, basically. I, <laughs> there's a funny story. I was basically asked to be the COVID marshal. All right. Oh, marshal. Whoa. COVID yeah. Give you a badge. Over here, it's... we're just officers. Oh, no, we're marshals <laughs> over here. It's the old, over there. We've got the old West over here. It's the marshal. You're a star <laughs> and everything. Um, no, I was the COVID marshal. So you do the you do the online course and you have to be certified. You get the certificate, come through your door, and then you have to do all this stuff. So I did all that work. And then we had day one of the shoot and there's some pretty important players. We've got um, Stephen Moyer from True Blood. And we've got Colomini from Con Ass. We've got some, you know, faces that yeah. we, some of us would recognize. Ooh. And um, the, the day after that, funny enough, I traveled. I used to travel with the second AD. He was a wonderful guy. And we traveled to set. We get there with the first ones there. And suddenly the producer comes up to me and says, our first AD had a family emergency. Um, would you mind stepping up? Wow. And I said, um, I really have no choice, do I? <laughs> well, he wow. gave you that look. Oh, well, wow. and they Most said, important no. person having a problem. Can you be that COVID marshal? I guess that's a, the order of uh, order of operations. It's like, <laughs> the servant jump, it's like the servant jumping to emperor, isn't it? It's kind of yeah. uh, from yeah. private jumping to general. But the great thing about being a COVID marshal is obviously you have to, you get to know everyone and you get to observe a great deal. And I do that anytime where I'm on a set. If I'm, you know, if I'm a crew member, it's great to observe. You learn such a great deal when you're observing, especially if you want to be a director. You watch oh yeah, fly on the wall. It's beautiful in, in terms of being absorbed in the world of filmmaking. But so I was given this news and um, you just have to, you just have to go with it. You just have to be like, yep. And you take the reins and you try and steer the, uh, the steer ship. the day, steer the ship in the most effective way imaginable. And I remember, bless him, I love the director of this film. I didn't know him very well. And he saw, basically he saw me and saw the option they had and he wasn't very enthusiastic about that. Mm. <laughs> this is your AD. Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> exactly. And um, I'm probably the youngest person on this gig, all right, by about 20 years. Wow. So you can imagine, so you can imagine how that kind of went down yeah don't tell me what to do little boy uh, yeah but i knew it wasn't good when he asked me do you know what coverage is <laughs> what <laughs> yeah Ouch. but but what there's a coverage but you there's know? a sil- there's a silver lining here there's a silver lining which is we 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 crack on 
I have a way of doing things. Funny enough, all the American lingo that I've adapted from being trained in the States, I lent over to the UK. So that was very funny. You know, like I said, I say, I say, I say tell slate, you know, mm-hmm. and over in, in England, we say end board, right? Oh. And um, instead, I, uh, in America, you guys, we say, well, part of you guys, we say uh, last looks, it's alliteration, easy to remember. In here, we say final checks. I'm like, it's a struggle to say. Final um, checks, we get paid. Yeah. <laughs> final checks, here you go, guys. <laughs> So that was very informative, but basically by before lunch, we had something like six pages shot and the director was that's very, very happy. It was very good. Yeah, that's really good. And he was very, very happy. And he came up to me at the end and he gracefully apologized and said, you know what, man, I, uh, and funny enough, there was someone on their way to come and replace, to come and take over the job, a full-time a first AD who had done a great deal of television here. And they they turned them around. They wanted to stick with me, which was wonderful. No so way. The, so we did the whole shoot together. And he's a wonderful guy. And it was wow. a wonderful experience. And it was intense, right? It was a feature film done. And I think it was just under four weeks, under a month. It was pretty intense. But what an experience when you're given the mantle. You have no time to think about it. You just have to kind of, you know. That well, is you're, absolutely you're insane. That's what, honestly, I love that about filmmaking is the element of surprise of stuff you cannot control, but yet you adapt to it and you succeed. You have no choice. You have no choice. Like, what would the other option be? Like, don't film. Yeah. And there's money, things have been paid for, you know? And something something that kind of irritates me as well is like when you're directing a film and everyone's in such a hurry, oh, we've got to get out, we've got to get out, we've got to get out. You know, you spend all this money to get people in one place at one time sometimes you have people come from other countries to be a part of your project mm-hmm. and the first thing you want to do is get them out of there like you know <laughs> what, what, like <laughs> that's a bit yeah. um so Go yeah you know. so what an experience that was and it really taught me a great deal i mean i know we're always learning when we're, when we're working and that's the beauty of our industry but that was quite something to kind of, for me personally, I think, how how good am I personally at dealing with issues and problems and how can I essentially, when you're literally thrown into the into the depths, how yeah. can you keep your head above water? And that experience wow. really taught me that. Well, so, clearly, Toby, you know how to swim very well. <laughs> that, <laughs> so was, that was story. amazing. That's so awesome. No, I'm that's... so happy for you. Yeah, that's that it went well. And like the director even apologized to you. That's unheard of. Well, it, it gives you the opportunity <laughs> to, it gives you the opportunity to kind of, um, I mean, don't get me wrong. I I adore working with people. You can't make a film by yourself. It's impossible. And anyone who convinced you otherwise you. is a fool. Yeah, but that's not a meaningful narrative film, is it? Come on, <laughs> right. Jeff. I know. Uh, <laughs> those <are> me. But, <laughs> whoop, carry on. <laughs> but so it's wonderful, but it, it really kind of puts you in a position, especially over here in the UK, which I don't mean to paint it with the same brush, but you're definitely, it's fair to say, you are definitely judged by the age in which you are uh, over here in terms of the level of experience you have. You know, if you're, if you're young, they think they judge you on your experience or lack thereof. Um, so I guess, you know, being um, put in a position where you can prove to others and prove to the crew that you can get through the day and work with one another, I think is very empowering, not only for the person involved, but for the whole production team. Yes. So, and you know what it's like on a film, you have all these personalities you have to navigate through and- And egos, yeah. And egos, Mm -hmm. but um, at the end of the day, we're all here to tell one story and we're all here for a reason, we hope. And- uh, (laughs) Make money. 
to make money. Um, <laughs> oh, I feel you like just that... killed it, Charles. You just I killed know. it. I know. I know. I know what you mean. He's joking, guys. Creative. Why do you think I do this shit for free? We're not getting paid. <laughs> <laughs> right? But, you know, so that's really important. Um, so, yeah, that's really what it comes down to in terms of story of recent date. And uh, I'm currently working on, uh, it's a short film, but it's a film about type 1 diabetes, which I'm working with um, a great deal of... Um, organizations on that and that's something that I feel very strongly about I feel like I think I think I may have mentioned this last time this is my main factor about directing and filmmaking I think if you don't know why you're making this movie um if someone if you ask a director on a set why you're making this film and he can't answer you run all right yeah run. yeah because it really plays a, a huge role in the approach in the passion behind the message of the film and what you want to say. Mm. I mean, everything kind of relates to what's the point? Why does celluloid, um, why do I, what, what deserves this film to be put on celluloid or on a digital card, whatever you're shooting with. Um, but mm -hmm. it's, that's very important to me. It's always been, there's a reason why I want to tell this particular story. If there isn't, find one, all right? Right, Indeed. exactly, yeah. <laughs> find yeah. the why before the how. Mm -hmm. And the reason I'm doing this uh, film about type one diabetes, I want to, essentially mend the world's ignorance on diabetes because there's two types and doing it through an accessible way that people can you know emotionally be involved with and it's if anything it's not a boo-hoo I have diabetes feel sorry for me it's less about the sympathy it's more about the empathy you know what does it mean mm -hmm. and that's I feel very strongly about that so that's where I come in and, and I'm very I feel very pleased and honored to work with a really great team on telling the story so Watch That's out amazing, for it, and yeah. you're going to be the you're going to be the director. That's right. We're yeah, we're currently casting right now, and I went on a scout three days ago up north in England in a place called Darlington, which I know for a fact you both of and everyone listening has never heard of. Um, <laughs> Very wonderful but, place, <laughs> but it's yeah, it is a wonderful place up north, which is like five degrees colder than where I live. Hmm. Um, basically, if anyone doesn't know this about England, the, the further you get up England, you know, the colder you get. And the ruder people are. Like, get away from me! It's cold up here. <laughs> it's. Uh, I'm sorry if there's any Scot people from Scotland. Uh, oh watching. gosh, it's, it's it's true. All right. We're gonna get. Some, oh, gonna I get, love it. Let me get some. It's Scot like, Scotland like in Eng in England, like the the Scots hate the Irish and the Irish hate the English and the and you know it's, we all hate each other and we, and we shouldn't we should all come together but we it's not the case really yeah oh, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. There's some history with you guys, yeah. We have history with everyone. It's not true. <laughs> That's <right>. true. <laughs> yeah. At least your guys' different nations are hating each other. In America, we all just hate each other. That's yeah. that's that's like very yeah. <laughs> hey, but we don't say anything. So it's like it's even worse. But yeah, no, I that's not stories anymore. <laughs> mm -hmm. Talk about I'm... international affairs. Um but no, <laughs> I uh it's great to keep creative. And then also in the meantime, I've been writing a great deal for a, for a couple of companies based in New York, actually writing feature films for them and writing a script. I think I may have mentioned this last time, the importance of if you want to become a better director, write a, a script and write a script for somebody else. Thank you. you. Because how do you have a greater understanding about character? How are you able to have a greater understanding about theme? How are you able to have a greater mm -hmm. understanding about structure? Because in screenwriting, structure is form, form is structure. And if you are able to spend a great deal of time writing a movie, it really helps you in, in, to become a better filmmaker and a better storyteller. So it's yeah. something I'd really recommend. 
I can't you, agree with you more. I can't. Even if you're doing something for your own sake, which I am also doing, right. you know, write on your own work and, and, and put it in a drawer and keep coming back to it because it yeah. will always be something that I think, and especially if you write it over a period of time, over a year, over two years, I feel like you'll have a greater understanding on who these people are that you're writing about. And you'll start to stop thinking about them as characters on the page and start yes. thinking them about real people. Yeah. You know? Have you ever yeah. wrote for someone? Um, and they? I have. And they, um, like, whenever you they were directing it or whatever, they totally changed it or something. You're like, this isn't what I wrote, bro. I heard that's well, that, a conflict. I got, something, I got something worse than that. Worse huh? than that, if you want to hear. Really? And this is what happens They changed the entire story. So you write, you spend eight months of your life writing this film, and, and they're like, this is phenomenal. This is fantastic. Oh, my God. This is going to be a phenomenal piece of work. And then you find out that not only has someone else been, someone else's credit has been put upon you, um you also are approached with extensive rewrites i think don't get me wrong rewrites happen and they should happen but there's a difference between a rewrite for a particular reason and also a rewrite because we want to prove that there's progress going on let's set someone else on this you know mm-hmm. obviously i'm going to be biased because it happened to me but it, it, it happens <laughs> and, it, and it hurts yeah. but you've just got to kind of let it let it slide, you know, and I want the, the film that I wrote was more morally ambiguous because I think personally that's more interesting. I think that's the real world. Mm-hmm. But the, the guys who I wrote it for wanted more of a Cowboys, Indians type movie, very clear, good guys and bad guys. So that's the direction they went in. But hey, you got to, mm-hmm. you know, uh, um, you got to move on and look forward and uh, yeah. pour your time and in, into something that's, you know, there's always something on the horizon, you know, and it's, it, it hurts, but you got to just got to, you know, Right. Usually when I when I watch a movie and I see the writing credits and I see more than one writer, I'm like something went wrong. So <laughs> the thing about the thing about credits uh, in writing is that if you ever see a credit and you see an at like an and, you know, the symbol and. Yeah. And another name that means it was written together by people at the same time. So <laughs> Shrek. So Shrek was Ted Elliott and Terry Rossio. They wrote it together. Yeah. But if you see some if you see a credit which is written by someone and as in a and d someone it means it was changed hands and like you said if there's like like water world where there's like seven people uh seven writers on that movie it's like oh something happened <laughs> yeah yeah like yeah is that true i didn't know that the and and the and absolutely absolutely wow. yeah that's a really wonderful book i recommend it i it's called screenwriting 365 or something like that screenwriting 365 and it basically gives you 365 tips and information about screenwriting it's a really fantastic book it really helped me out and there's a lot of there's a lot of knowledge and trivia in there which really that being one of them i gave you you have to buy the book i gave you one for free there you go i am definitely gonna check that out that's another thing when it comes to screenwriting there are some fantastic books out there Mm -hmm. and but what's really important about screenwriting books is buy the books or you know, buy them off eBay like me or Amazon, like secondhand, and then burn them afterwards because it's important to disregard the knowledge and yeah. do things your own way, right? Yeah. It, screenwriting is not a cookbook. Filmmaking it's is not, not a cookbook. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's good that'd to see how good, other people do things. That'd be a good title for a, for a book. To... Read it, then burn it. Yeah. <laughs> burn this book. Burn this book. <laughs> I'm sure there's one out there. <laughs> a recipe for Italian food. Yeah. It's very important, I think, to with anything as well if you want to be influenced by others and it's very important to immerse yourself and in, in, in other people's work but at the same time it's your individual voice you've got to yeah. convey and you've got to you know other, that's where originality comes from so yeah. it's good to then disregard what the uh 
I think it was someone, I think um, Paul Schrader, who I love, right? You know, Paul Schrader, right? Writer of Taxi Driver and director mm-hmm. of American Gigolo. Mm-hmm. He said Robert McKee, who wrote the, the, the very famous filmmaking book Story, mm-hmm. he said something like uh, Robert McKee was the, uh, the worst thing that ever happened to screenwriting. Mm-hmm. And I, but I, I see what he means, right? <laughs> because if you produce a cookbook, people are going to worship the cookbook, right? They're going to worship the screenwriting Bible and it gives them no leeway to explore for themselves. And that's really important. Right. Yeah. Be a sponge, take it all in, but then you got to let it go and let it, let it, be let your own go. work, yeah. Like what's your nuts and frozen? Yeah, let it go. You know, let it go. I got that song in your head. <laughs> Good. Uh, have you worked on any? Um, have you had any like uh, bad days on set recently, or any memorable moments on set, or any, you know, anything that kind of stands out? Like, hey, I was on this one set, and then all of a sudden this happened. Um, give me your worst day on set that you've had recently. Wow, that's a very good question. I normally try and when I when I'm working on a film or directing a film, I always go for the the glass half full mentality, right? Mm-hmm. I always see something good in it, right? Um, a particular bad day in recent memory, maybe I can tell you, is, I don't know about you guys, but have you been in a position in your early careers where you spent a great deal of money, well, it was a great deal of money at the time, you thought so, mm-hmm. on a project, and you were so involved, and you gave a great deal of your time and efforts and love towards yeah, the uh, the guy that recorded the sound. <laughs> oh God! Uh, <laughs> cocked it up. So, and then you realize that, and you realize that everything was a waste, and then you have to try. And... Too many times that happened. Yes. Way yeah. too many. Absolutely. Oh God! That, and it's that happened to me once, and mm-hmm. it was on film. Funny enough, so it wasn't just shooting on digital, shooting on ouch. celluloid. That's a big and, ouch, ouch. And and it hurt. Our heaven. <laughs> oh no. So, that kind of made me think well, not only the importance of who we hire, but how important it is to contact people who have worked with an individual before, call them up and be like, hey, pal, was your sound great? (laughs) And Mm, if he says no, exactly. Always get references, folks. If you're hiring a sound guy, there's plenty of phenomenal guys out there. There really are. Or sound sound recordists. Yeah, Um, sound recordists. Um, There are plenty of phenomenal uh, men and women in that department out there, you can find them. Just make sure you get a reference. Mm-hmm. But what happened? Like, like, did they just not treat, press record? Treat a sound guy like you would a babysitter. You would not leave, left, you would not let an unreferenced babysitter with, alone with your kids. Would don't you? let so John hear that. Same, Some people. So, <laughs> don't let John hear that part. So, I don't need no babysitter. <laughs> so that's it's a metaphor. That, that relates to my uh, uh, haunting version, but I have more. I have more funny stories than I do sad stories. Like we did a film called The Dust Child, which is available to watch on YouTube. It's about these Vietnam medics that we shot in seven hours at uh, Malibu Creek. Wow! Um, and I remember being there around six in the morning, and we were shooting in this beautiful um, kind of um, lagoon. It was really cool, quite something. And I realized that they filmed MASH there and Planet of the Apes there, which was pretty cool, the original Planet of the Apes, in the same location. And uh, we were setting up the shot and the camera was there and the actors were in their position and the lighting was great. We had some flags and we were set to go. And I look up and there's like 18 rock climbers <laughs> coming into the shot. Wow. I kid you not. And I was like, what, where the hell did they come from? So I had to tell them to stop where they were so oh. they did. <laughs> hanging just on hang, to do hang life. Hang on, just hang on, guys. On a mountain, literally. 
Jesus. I kid you not. And then we slightly reframed the camera <laughs> bit mm. by bit to make sure our composition was worthy and, and, and appropriate for our story. And <laughs> we shot and we, we got the shot. I think we got two takes. I was really, you know, taking the, taking the mix. Uh, we got two <laughs> takes and then they all reconvened. They wow. all continued on their way. But that was, that's the power you have as a filmmaker, right? You play God. <laughs> All right. Oh, yeah. you, yes. you tell you tell people what to wear you teach them what to say you teach them where to sit you are god in in yep. you know for 12 hours a day you are mate well 11 hours a day you got you got an hour for lunch but, but for those yeah. for most of beginning directors he loosely speaks god so because the person <laughs> out there i'm a director i'm god grab my god. Idol, grab my friends you're wearing this you're wearing this i'm god they started a set stories podcast <laughs> Oh gosh! You're gonna get a whole new uh, filmmakers fighting each other. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, but no, you're right. Um, their director is God, and everybody's like, "Hey, what do we do?" Like, and when I was in film school, uh, in my directing class, they're like, they made us do like the production design, uh, the costume, do all these like detailed notes on it. Cause it's like, yo, like they're gonna come up to you, be like, "Do you want red or blue?" You know, and you got to say something, and you have to know, like, okay, it's literally it comes down to that. And if you say, "I don't know." You said it. Those are the worst words. I'm, I got so many stories on the I don't know. I think but for me, I, especially, I, I, I think for me, that. especially as a young person making films, and when you, if you're very young and you have a vision, you want to tell a story, and you're working with primarily people who are older than you, they can very easily look down on you. And as a director, your role has to be: I have to answer every single question and I have to know the answer and even if you don't know the answer <laughs> pretend like you do because mm. you're right if someone if someone gets a, a whiff an inkling of you not knowing the answer you've They're lost gonna all take, the confidence yeah right yep. you've lost all the confidence you fail you right you, you can't <laughs> choose blue blue or red oh. but, but honestly mate you bring up a great point which is if you are familiar with the departments and you can speak their language, I'm not just talking about speaking the actor's language. I'm talking about being able to communicate with a good production designer. And the 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 I'm working with a really wonderful uh, production designer at the moment, and she I knew she was the right fit when she's asking me questions like, "Well, the character at this part of his life um, wouldn't." Uh, wouldn't go downstairs. So he wouldn't live upstairs because he can't walk upstairs. So he'd primarily live downstairs. Mm -hmm. And you're like, oh yeah, why would he walk upstairs if he's, you know, an yeah. old man? And they're talking everything from an emotional standpoint, mm -hmm. which you want. You don't want a production designer say, right, we need four MDFs. We need a, yeah, uh, yeah. you know, we need all this stuff. We need some plywood here. That's not what you should be hearing from a production designer. You should be hearing about how mood and tone convey emotion mm -hmm. for your story. Exactly. That's, that's, that's the that's the that's litmus test for a great production designer. Yeah. No, you what you just said is the cookbook. This is the book that's going to be written on Sister's podcast. Arthur, <laughs> uh, Toby, I can't say your last name, co-author Hootie and Crackhead on set, Charles. Oh, geez. What you said, that is the recipe for making a good film, is thinking more playable with your direction to your crew and your actors. Like you say, mood is the first thing. It's like, hey, you guys have all the tools but let's internally think about this situation, this scene, this uh, person, this mood. How can we do that with your skills? With that said, have you ever um, exercised any acting, um, like uh, acting classes or acting techniques yourself, put yourself in the actor's position in order to be a, a better director? I think it's very important for directors to take acting class and everyone should, even mm -hmm. if it's just one, you have to, you have to be present and you have to know what 
an honest You have to know what it feels like to be on the other side of the camera. I mean, I sometimes go a bit overhead. I can show you some stories, which I, I am proud please, about. Please. And, and you have to be a slightly a bit impulsive sometimes. Like, if, like for example, a, a scene where uh, a woman's on a date and she's uncomfortable. I remember I said to the actor, I said, can you put a stone in your left shoe, please? Mm -hmm. And she did. And obviously we have, we have no idea it's there, but there's something there in the back of the eyes which tell us this is somewhat irritating. Mm -hmm. And I think through, it all depends on how you want to approach it. My favorite book on the craft of acting for directors is Directing Actors by Judith Weston, which mm -hmm. everyone should read. Everyone should read. Wow. Yeah, and um, it's a good one. It's phenomenal yeah. because it breaks down. And she says this at the beginning. This is no cookbook, folks. She says that, right? That's her, first, yeah. that's her, that's her prologue, you know. Um, but it's really important. Um, she breaks down all of the techniques like substitution, like um, and all these great work. I mean, I'm not going to talk about the book in great length. You should read it. But it's it helped me a great deal when approaching the craft of acting. Um, and it also helps in terms of what you can do to prepare and what mm -hmm. you can do to, to, to really set the mood and get the best results from your actors. Because your role as the director is not to teach actors how to act. Hopefully you cast the right people and they'll yep. do the work. It all starts with great. that. Yep. You're like your dope actors are good. You read the script. No. And <laughs> it kind of hurts me when I, I, I see actors, I can tell they haven't done the homework, you know? Mm -hmm. And most of them do, because most of them are committed, right? Because they, they want to tell us a great story. But this um, one time. Uh, I I just sorry, but you brought up a good point. But before I forget, this one time I I shot something one minute philosophy thing for this thing, and I hired you know my friend to act, and I gave him the script, a one page script, and I'm like, yeah man, I told him what the fill is. I'm like, so your character's kind of confused, blah 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 blah. And he's like, all right, cool. Two weeks, we shoot the we're shooting the thing, and we shoot the whole thing. I was I was shooting it and like directing it because it was just a one. We're just like whatever. Um, it's a fun thing, but um. At the end of it, he was like, man, Charles, I didn't read the script. I was like, you what? I'm like, you couldn't read a one page script? He's like, yeah, because I wanted to feel like confused because he said like the character's confused and all that. And at first I was like offended. I was like, you mother. But then I was like, you know what? I respect that. I, I wish you would have at it, but I, I respect that. But if it was a 60 page script and you didn't read it. Well, yeah, sure, that's, yeah. It's a one page thing and you're with me and we're friends, but. I, I kind of liked it, and it came out to be really fucking funny. There is a filmmaker out there. There is a filmmaker out there that doesn't give his or his or her actors the entire script mm -hmm. um, for that very reason, um, to give them a sense of not knowing how this is going to end or where, which I think is very, very, if you're in a position, an opportunity to do that, and you can film, shoot a film in continuity, that is incredible. Yes. <laughs> yes. But, no, for, that, you're like, but for 99.9% of us is like, that's not going to yeah. happen. Primarily for <laughs> scheduling conflicts and right. the way things happen, but um, <laughs> mm -hmm. when it comes to acting and crafting a performance with an actor, it's it's a very interesting process, and, and there's so many methods you can go around to to achieve the best results. I think that's what it comes down to in terms mm -hmm. of directing actors. Dips, so yeah. so if there's a scene where there's two actors and they never meet and they meet for the first time in your scene, make sure that they meet for the first time in your scene. <laughs> like don't yeah. get them talking to each other. Don't get, let them yeah. go on, you know, events with each other because it will, you can tell in the eyes. It all says it all, mm -hmm. right? You want to be in a position like this film I'm, I'm currently doing, I'm going to do my best to separate these two humans from each other. I don't want them <laughs> to meet until we're shooting the scene. That's so important to me. Um, and there's certain little things you can do as well. Like, um, but, but, you know, the, I respect, you're obviously, I think Francis Ford Coppola, I actually watched a um, interview with 
Bob Duval, who's 91, I think, at the moment. You know Bob Duval, right, Robert Duval? Mm -hmm. I, I love the smell of napalm, Bob Duval. Right, anyway, um, he, um, he said the greatest director he has ever worked with is Francis Ford Coppola because he doesn't speak to me. He leaves me alone. Wow. <laughs> so, you want that level of trust. It's trust, and, yeah, that's what and, I was thinking. And, yeah. and it, you, you don't really, I used to think uh, when I was studying that, oh, the director has to stroke and poke, nurture the actor, mm -hmm. really kind of, you know, help them in every single way, shape or form. But sometimes it's just better to just let them do their thing. Mm -hmm. and then Especially if you casted correctly. Right. And I think, I, I like to think, you know, I mean, on the day anyway, you were like, right, stand on that X, say the mm -hmm. line, right, let's move on, lunch is in 10 minutes, right? Yeah. You had no time to talk about, um, you know, character motivation the character, yeah. and all that crap. All right, you have time to talk about it. All right, um, like my favorite, some of my favorite stories about cinema come from Stanley Kubrick, which is like, um, you know, on a Full Metal Jacket, Matthew Modine saying, "Stanley, I'm not getting it. What do you want me to do?" Mm -hmm. And Stanley Kubrick turning around and saying, "Just be yourself. He, the character is you. <laughs> Private Joker is you. Do what you would do." Right, right? and that's and that's very. Um, that is, yeah, that's that's really important. Yeah, just be yourself. You know, yeah. what would you do? And also what I prefer to do when I get a question from an actor, I always I never answer the question. I, I get a quest I give a question back to them. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that's clever. Yep. That's a good I imagine you just walked away. And, like, and so what can I do? You're like, yes, yes, uh-huh. Uh, oh no. <laughs> so if someone says to me, uh, how do you want me to do how do you want me to play this? I normally say, What do you think? <laughs> and they know. Act, they yeah. know everything. Mm -hmm. They just, mm -hmm. they, they need reassurance all the time. Yep. How do you mean it is? They need confirmation. And the best thing you can do is say, well, what do you think? And they'll say the right answer. They will, I promise you. And you'll be like, right, roll sound. Yeah. <laughs> and then you're there. And so uh, yeah. um, the trust, the, the relationship between director and actor is really important. I mean, you don't have to really, have dinner yeah. with, you, have, you don't have to dinner, you don't have, blah, 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 blah. you don't have to have dinner with them every single day leading up to the shoot. Unless you want that. to, you know. I did. I I well, not every day, but I did it three times when I was doing the <laughs> dope old vibration. We had like seven people, but. But, but really, really ensure trust. Really ensure trust. Yes. That's the best thing I think that yeah. anyone can learn from. Um, and then also the thing about acting is that these guys, they go against the grain and they laugh during an emotional scene or they, you know, and, and that's the kind of thing that I love that I don't see enough of is characters trying to suppress their laughter during a funeral, you know, yeah, or, people, exactly. or, or, or people smiling when they're bitterly angry or my favorite example is silence when they're angry and you don't yeah. know what they're going to do. And that is more horrifying than them flipping out. Right. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yep. Exactly. exactly. I call it against the grain. Brando did it so well in On the Waterfront and everyone else followed suit from then on. But it's mm -hmm. like, it's a really great technique. I'm not talking about that just in terms of acting. I'm talking about that in terms of directing. I'm talking that in terms of musical composition. I'm talking that in terms of lighting. I'm talking that in terms of, you know, like Sam, Sam Peckinpah was a legend in doing this where he had kids laughing and playing cowboys and Indians juxtaposed with people being murdered. You Is know, that so you, you, that's, you nailed it, you got it. So bunch. you got it. So it, it's, there's some really interesting ways to that, kind of That intro scene is incredible. And I know, I like how you brought that up because mm. in my film school, I took a film theory class and we talked about that scene uh, for a good time. And like the connection between the little kids and the, I think they were like playing with ants uh, and the ants were eating the scorpion. Mm. And then, right. uh, yeah, that, and foresh then that, that foreshadows that everything. Everything you need so to know. Good. I guess. I guess another thing that relates to that is, and this is for everyone in every creative department, the way we think. 
which is I see a lot of people, the first idea that comes into their head in order to solve a problem is the one they go with. And I hate to say it, folks, but probably the guy sitting next to you and the guy that took you, you drove with, the guy you saw in the street probably had the same idea, right? Mm-hmm. So use that first idea as a basis to come up with alternative ideas, more creative ideas. I just feel like people aren't prepared to think greatly about the creative issue. They want to solve it quickly. And I understand if you're, if you're, if there's a time crunch, you've got to come up with a solution quickly, but it's worth giving it some extra thought because people seem to go with the first thing they, the first alternative idea. And that's why screenwriting is fantastic, right? Mm-hmm. I've got to get, a, I've got to get the character in the car, but there's no reason for him to get into the car. How can I, you know, so you figure out a way and then you narrow it down. You're like, well, everyone's going to think about that. Can I do something that's a little bit more unconventional? Mm-hmm. And so through writing it's beautiful because it costs no money. All it costs is time. All right. And I know we don't have it, but it's worth it. All right. Yeah. But when you're writing, movie and you're like the character has to get there has to get there how am I going to get her there right I'm sure there's a creative way to make it happen so it really exercises your creative muscles I think that's the best thing I can exercise creative muscle this is like a film education episode (laughs) I love it you better like pay you for like giving knowledge because like I think knowledge is priceless and for people to hear it Mm -hmm. you know what I mean it's such an easy way like you read the books People don't fucking want to read. They want to yeah, talk to people who exactly. do read. And, they want the and then people give them the bullet points them, of it. Yeah, okay, let's get to the point. How do I do it? Yeah, yeah. I, I love reading, though. I love reading. I think it's um, so great. It people is. don't read anymore. I think people, something. Um, I think people don't my, read anymore because they associate reading with studying. And we read a lot for yeah. studying. And people mm-hmm. are like, oh, I don't want to read. For me, I travel a great deal. I travel to London. I travel to places, you know, hours on a train. Like, I was to scout. I was, you know, six hours on a train, you know, and... and get a book read you know um yeah. but that's just me it's not for everyone people some people like audiobooks or podcasts but mm-hmm. you still get your information you right? still do yeah podcasts are great like this one that's right podcast for me it's all about not you know knowledge is power you can never have enough soak it up mm-hmm. and i'm the kind of person that if i don't know the answer to something i'll find it i need to find an answer you know i, I love to learn it's really important to learn. There's a lot of people that say, oh, I've seen all the greatest films ever made. I know it all. But no, it's still not enough. You know, you gotta- there's always yeah, there's always that. In fact, the better the people that I fucks with the most and collab with like you, man, I'd love to work with you. And my other my other friend, Tim, um, you know, my other buddies, out there, you know, they think like that. They're like, you know what? They know so much. Like I go to them for advice. Now, people come to me for advice. But like, bro, like I'll go to you for advice. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I'll go to my friend, Tim. I'll go, you know, other people um but um you know you guys think that way like no there's always something to learn as opposed to the other people oh i'm the best oh i'm mr i heard this before you can put asc on the slate i'm like you what i'm like how would you even <laughs> why would you care but yeah and it's yeah. like no and like i was cool with that guy i'm like yeah cut him off you know it's the ego man but like the people that have that mm-hmm. mentality of like there's always something to learn they they know the most man and that's they, like even the big even, shots even the big yeah shots. that's Seth MacFarlane, um, I was, I saw an interview. He was in, um, the, you know, the creator of Family Guy. He's very, he's actually a very intelligent person, uh, writer, but he was saying some stuff very similar to what you were saying, you know, reading, you know, and like the way he kind of like directs his characters, whatever, and he does things, but it's like, yeah, he's, yeah, you like, you always, he said, you always got to be reading something, um, you know, if you're a writer, you know, or creating, or you have to exercise that. Can I, can I say something which relates to that? It's like, <laughs> If you call yourself a writer and you don't like to write or you don't read, 
I don't know. I, that doesn't make sense to me. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah, it's, it's like you read, uh, right? So you could. That does. I never thought it, of that. It's like it's like. It's like it's also like you know it's it's like people who say this is this now this is the worst pet peeve this is really really, this really good and I've heard it a couple of times and I had to control myself all right when I heard (laughs) this was was I don't watch movies I make them oh lord Mm -hmm. and and I was trembling with my my jaw was locked yeah I was you know (laughs) uh, my 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 face turned red and and I'll tell you why that statement I reject that hypothesis right it's which is the fact that if you are a chef right you've got to taste a lot of food all right mm-hmm. you want to be a good chef right mm-hmm. you don't know what works for you right um with cinema you have to immerse yourself in cinema and for people that don't like movies that want to make them i mean for me uh maybe check them in somewhere you know like yeah. like honestly um, <laughs> yeah 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 it's very contradictory it doesn't make sense yeah that's very what is it self-centered narcissistic i'm so good i don't need I don't need to watch a Stanley Kubrick film. Like, really? Okay. I mean, if I was going to say, like, I copy. It's like, bro, I watch those movies, and I, I tried to replicate in many situations when I, like, I used to shoot a bunch of short films. Like, I watch movies, and I'm like, I try to figure out how they light. I'm like, okay, I'm going to try to do it. Like, the director wouldn't know because they just want to do their actors. I'm like, yes, I nailed it. But like, after how many short films to do that effect? You know, I don't know. It was just, you know, doing it for free. I mean, our art form is only 120 years old, right? It's, it's mm-hmm. the youngest kid on the block with dance and music and painting, right? So it's yes, the new kid, right? Thank you. Painting. And I, and I don't think it's very difficult to do research, right? Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I think um, you see the evolution of how our craft evolves. And the only way the form can change as we know it is through people taking risks all right mm-hmm. and exactly. i'll tell you something and i'll tell you something like steven spielberg studied the hell out of hitchcock all right now hitchcock i may have mentioned this last time but i'll say it again because it, it's very important hitchcock was the king of point of view all right point of view being character looks at something and we see what they're looking at right now mm-hmm. spielberg took that and was like well i, I want to implement the same kind of thing but i'm going to go one up i'm going to make it more emotionally revealing and I'm going to call it, instead of point of view, I'm going to call it point of thought, which is, you see this in all great films, and Spielberg is the master of this. Jurassic Park is an example, right? When the truck stops and the characters turn, the camera dollies into them. That's kind of our way of believing, wow, they're in awe. These guys mm-hmm. are in awe. The world around them, the world around them physically gets larger because they're in awe. And the music swells. We still haven't seen what they're looking at yet. We don't know it's a dinosaur, right? But we're in absolute captivation. And then he reveals what they're looking at. So it's not just point of view. He's kind of taken point of view. He's turned it in a point of thought, which is why Spielberg's films are so uh, financially successful is because he takes your heart and your emotion Mm -hmm. and he puts it on screen, right? You are not watching Dr. Alan Grant see a dinosaur. You are seeing a dinosaur. Yeah. Yeah. You put the audience's head they fill in the gaps what are they looking at (gasps) Mm -hmm. i love this it's it's pretty it's pretty incredible all right so that about five uh five (laughs) dollars i have a question can you guys give me one film that you've seen either this year either 20 either a 2020 film or an academy nominated film or a film of recent time that you've really enjoyed and why um american animal for sure um did you see that one animals right about animals, the, heist, the, American, the art heist American animals yeah um, that was some years ago when was the last year in the was, theater man <laughs> i saw it this year though i know I, you said recent but that was just 
I watch a lot of movies, but I tell you, like, rewatches are like, I haven't watched Marvels, but that movie, man, the way the cinematography and the story was great. But it was also the style of filmmaking where they were interviewing the real guys and yeah, they're part of the narrative, guys. right? And very those cool. guys were, uh, but the way they did the sound um, mm. with the cinematography and to help, I'm, I'm a cute, I love, I love music, but the way they did music and sound to like help create tension when they were doing the big like robbery kind of scene, because it was a kind of a long and long scene, but the sounds of the clock ticking and they're like, whenever they people tap or something it would tie into what you know what the sound was going on and what they're what we were seeing and they use like other objects like the clock and they use like someone tapping their pen as like being like kind of like tension it was like getting deeper you're like oh my god and that's a great you- film that's a great film to if you have a level of understanding of the importance of sound design in your movies oh yeah and how to how not to waste sound design as a, mm-hmm. an, a tool to tell your story check exactly. out american animals <laughs> that, yeah and like because that's one thing that i was like I, i've been cinematography for like 11 years and i'm like yo i'm now figuring out sound like my life was changed when i first heard uh the soundtrack in americone was once a time in the west because i was like yo i can feel the music with the cinematography and when i tell try to tell people like when you're writing like try to think of music listen to music um if you can and try to like help that guy because i think I, i'm not going to go out but music and you know universal language but that ties into visuals like I used also to lot, also know. to add it just to, just to chip in if you want to this is like how this is like a cookbook on how to hire a collaborator all right <laughs> if you want to hire a great composer look for a composer that can compose subtext all right mm, something yeah. that you can't mm-hmm. something you can't capture in performance something uh, you can't capture visually right you want to <laughs> you, you want to get a composer yeah. yeah you want to get a composer that can compose subtext yeah. right and if they don't know what it means, run. Find someone else. All right. <laughs> Subtext all that <laughs> run from the people. I like his philosophy. <laughs> but no, American Animals is a great one. I can it be an old film that you rewatched? It can. Is, fine. Okay. It, it can. <laughs> I just rewatched Jane Campion's The Piano. And that's such an amazing film. The cinematography is gorgeous. She is able to like you're able to feel the rain in the shot. Like, I don't want to spoil it for anybody. Have you guys I, seen I, it? I called her the, I called her the female Tarkovsky. Is that fair yes, to say? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> it's like her stalker for me, the piano. It's oh, just really? so visually gorgeous. The rich. All the actors are like the storyline. You're like, wait, is he the bad guy? No, then I like him. You're like, oh my God. And then the ending is like, it's just, it's gorgeous her cinematography the piano for me there's two films there's a film that i discovered for the first time that was new and also a film that i had never seen shamefully that was of recent years that i saw that i can't stop thinking about now and i saw it like six weeks ago so the first film that i watched that i actually saw three times at the cinema was the father with anthony hopkins i still have to see that it looks which no one seems to have seen for some reason and i'll tell you why without ruining the movie why for me it was the best film of last year was because that is an example of a film that can't be told in any other medium other than cinema Mm -hmm. and i'll tell you why without ruining it Mm -hmm. the film was not about dementia the film was dementia all right Wow. So please check out that film if you're intrigued easy titles And then the film that I recently watched for the first time, and I, I, I'm very embarrassed to state that I had never seen it before, was um, Prisoners, 
Oh, that's a good one. With, By Denny, uh, yeah. With Denny's Prisoners, yeah. Mm -hmm. With Jake Gyllenhaal and... Um, Hugh Jackman. Hugh Jackman. Yeah. And it probably has to be one of the greatest screenplays of the 2010s. Really? It's pretty fantastic, yeah. Mm -hmm. Because it's a great... If you like the crime thriller genre, it kind of takes it... It's a bit like what Seven did. It kind of takes it on its head and kind of twists it, right? So you have an idea of how this type of film should end and how this type of film works. And it completely... <laughs> turns it, it around. It turns it away. It's, it's crazy. Like, it's like no... It's like no it's like known country for old men. It basically mm -hmm. says, you know what a Western is, folks. I hope you yeah. do. And it's like, and the Cohen brothers are like, yeah, we're not going to, the first yeah. half of the film, sure. Work. But the, for the latter half of the film, yeah, we're not going that direction. You yeah. guys got to figure it out yourself, right? And, yeah. and you feel, and as an audience member, you feel so lost, out of your depth. You're like, what do I do? <laughs> I, I can't stop watching. And what Prisoners did so very well is you were like, oh, he's definitely the killer. Oh no, he's the right. killer. No, mm -hmm. no, no, he's definitely the killer. Oh wait a moment, he's not the killer, yeah. right? And you're like, <laughs> talk it's, about it's, talk uh, about being a prisoner in this film, like just watching it. It's insane. Yeah, you are an active participant. It's like, what is this movie about? <laughs> it's about being a prisoner. Yeah, but Denis Denis uh, Villeneuve, sorry, I can't pronounce his last name, but he's a fantastic director. Mm. And Dune is coming out, or has come out by the time we this episode is out. And I can't wait to see that because people are saying you need to see it on the big screen. You need to see it on the big screen. Blah blah. blah so. I you do. Don't yeah. please, please for everyone who has any sense of decency, do not watch it on uh, a streaming service. Your, your cell please phone. Don't. Go to for the movie phone. theater, pay $10. And experience it. And experience it. Mm -hmm. You have to. You're doing yourself a disservice. Seriously. Yeah. I watched yeah. Tenet on the airplane. <laughs> Which one? Just, I no, you didn't. Tenet. Yes, I did. I watched Tenet on the airplane on the way to Hawaii. Just how yeah, Christopher how Nolan we, intended, right? Yes, yeah, how he intended. So he's going to hear this. He's going to send mercenaries. <laughs> right me. now. Right now. Who said they watched my movie on the airplane? Oh, Get God. him. <laughs> no, I look forward to that film because, I mean, the way he crafts, his world building is phenomenal. Yes. Uh, his world building is phenomenal. Uh, well, and then what? A, it was a cool movie. It was, the story didn't make sense. You're not supposed to, man. It's Denny. Um, <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, like Blade Runner, like what, what was that all about? Twenty four. I, I loved it. I loved it. Soundtrack um, was gorgeous, by the way. I gotta love that. So, and then we've got No Time to Die, which is the James Bond film that should have come out like yeah, eighteen years ago. That, <laughs> yes, yes. I, that one much. should be good. And I know I was gonna ask them like, I yeah, Double Seven. Double Seven, yo, that reminds me of the game on sixty four. I, oh I had I had Golden the Golden Eye game. I had it, and that I couldn't beat was one hard. level. It was really hard for a teenager to that play. That game was okay. dope. Proximity Mines, bro. That was my shit. I learned. I learned how to. I learned what guns were because of 007. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's a PP7. Gotcha. It's an AK47. Gotcha. The R RCP 90s. Yes. I was like, yeah, 80 rounds. When when you can get two of them, I was like, yep. oh, I'm beating this level. Down. I called it double times the fun. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Old um, job gave me nightmares. Oh my gosh. Well, honestly, Toby, thank you so much for coming back on and your 007 shirt, making me think of N64 again. Very nostalgic. You yeah, well, honestly to... should be like a film professor because your knowledge, you you're like so... way younger than me. And I feel like you know more than me. So thank way you. Way so younger? Yeah, I'm a grandma, honey. Stop I'm a grandma. It. Not grandma. Oh I'm the oldest one on here and I'm still cracked at but no, man, like you, I would love to work with you, man. On, on one Me too, films. man. Good, I'd like, love to work with you too, man. I want to use your camera. So we're going to make that happen. All right. We, we are, are. Yeah. We got. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I still, yeah. I still shoot film. Um, do you ever shoot on film or? 
you know, I know you say like, yeah, you know, I have the resources, you man. On. I don't have the resources. Oh, the Ari or the Red, you know, the Red's accessible. The Ari is slightly less accessible, but it's something I like. Are you guys choose. using the LF? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yes. That's the camera. Although, as I don't know if this will still be the case when this is aired, but as of right now, Americans can come to Britain, but Brits can't go to America. Yeah. So I so I'm stranded right now. I can't even go to I can't even see you guys if I wanted to. Oh. All right. So that's is within my uh, power. As soon as that's uh, that's lifted, I'm gonna spend a great deal of time in the states because I miss it dreadfully, dreadfully. Do you ever live out here, or do you just travel? I, I, no, I, I studied out there for three years. I was based in Burbank for three years. Oh. Burbank Studio City, then Burbank again. Yeah. My yeah. bad. I should, I should have listened the first time you were on the podcast. <laughs> Stop it. No, I'd be forgetting. Jeez. No, that's cool. I follow you on Instagram and Facebook, though. I see your shit, too, so that's what's up. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I just thought, like, you lived out here. I'm like, he travels a lot. because like, I wish, man. I wish. My goal is to is to find myself back there permanently. But it's very difficult. Um, there's right a lot now. of hoops you have to jump through. Yeah, and just in general, there's a lot of hoops. You have, like, you have to be sponsored by a company. Really? The company have to want you. Like if I was going to do it, like what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to, you know, I'm running a film that's set in America. I want to pitch it to a company. I want them to finance the picture and then essentially say, well, if you want to direct the film, which I do, mm-hmm. get me on board. And they, so I'm in demand, but you have to prove that you are capable, you know, yeah, of doing something. so there's a lot of hoops to jump through. So, I mean, yeah. it's probably easy if I marry someone, right? But I I, I don't like marrying under false pretense. It has to be someone <laughs> that I'm deeply, <laughs> deeply connected to. Um, yeah. um you're a lot more That's human. It. You're more human than a lot of people out here. Some <laughs> people that have that, like, I was in a group of people, like six people, and they were like, "Yeah, I'm married. I'm married. Into that. I'm married." Just to get in there, I'm like, "What? What? What?" Yeah. I slowly backed up. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah, just walk away. <laughs> All right. No, but uh, my goal, my my long term goal, is to find myself in America because I I love the I love the mentality of not only filmmakers but the mentality of people, and I think it's got to do with the weather. The weather is good, so people are optimistic, but. Um, I don't know. There's, there's always, I think the difference between the UK and the US, and I don't mean that I'm not being, a, I'm not betraying the country in which I was born and live in, but I, I think in terms of the level of optimism and enthusiasm people have towards storytelling, I think is maybe a little bit, I'm going to get a lot of trouble saying mm-hmm. that, but it's true. It's true. All right. <laughs> you can say it. <laughs> don't tell anyone. Oh my God. Yeah, although saying that, you. although saying that, and this is another controversial statement too, the best crews in the world are over here. I'm sorry, but it's true. No, in terms I, of, I would in agree. terms of in terms of craftsmen, like the best carp like the best carpenters in the world work here. The best plasterers in the world work here, you know? Just just look at the Harry Potter movies. Just look at like um yeah. the Bond movies, you know, and or even a great deal of the Marvel films, which and which are filmed over here, the Star Wars films. They're, which are filmed they're over. great. I recently went yeah. through all of them. They were really good. I wish like I like the individual Marvels, in my opinion, better, but yeah, there were, those were, uh, I know what you're saying. I did, I did like their film. I remember seeing a few. And you guys have like a specific look that I want to save in like my camera, what, you know, SD card. <laughs> I've just seen the same kind of look in so many. Uh, I mean, they've been, they've been making films over here for years. I mean, yeah. since, since the early 70s. I mean, we had Pinewood Studios and Elstree Studios and Shepparton and um, all the Harry Potters were filmed at Leibston, which, by the way, if anyone coming to visit the UK or visit London, please go to the Warner Brothers studio tour. We have 
all of the sets from the Harry Potter movies. Are I am dying amazing. to go there because I am a huge Harry Potter fan. I mean, that was like my whole childhood. So, so. so basically, they were like, when they finished making the movies, they're like, well, now what do we do? And they were like, oh, we could probably milk this. <laughs> make money. Yeah, they could probably make money. Like a twenty-year anniversary thing. But, but you have to. But the, the great thing is, when they built the Great Hall, they used real stone, right? They didn't use plaster. They used real stone for the floor to, you know, to support ten years worth. Yeah, of exactly. It was going to be a lot of films that they were going. Wow. Oh. They have, and they have everything there so i really having been there three times myself and can't get enough of it i recommend I'm anyone who visits so should go jealous oh but my also God. in terms of pinewood studios which i had the um pleasure of, of filming at and, and wow. elstree which i had a, a pleasure of visiting they filmed all the original original star wars movies in england all the original indiana jones films are in england you know mm-hmm. um so yeah it, it's and, and also pinewood studios has become so influential there's a big pinewood studios now in atlanta in georgia mm-hmm. which is a huge base for film production right yes. now so if yeah. things don't work out in la go to georgia they're, they're yeah exactly uh, <laughs> yes yes we're gonna have we're gonna have a guest that's working currently right now in atlanta and he'll tell us everything going out there it's nuts yeah. but it's busy and even on those well, other states mm-hmm. uh, around there um the Carolina. it's not just la people it's not just no, la everybody's going that way it's i'm like, sure I'm, sh- I'm sure you guys know this already but i i, I will ask the question what is the most shot city in the world? Vancouver. You got it. You know, yep. that's right. Yeah. Everything. Replic- everything. That Vancouver replicates anything and everything. Yeah, right? it really does. Deadpool, yep. Vancouver. Uh, most of the Marvel movies, Vancouver. I mean, because mm-hmm. it's so cheap. And yeah. Los Angeles in America, well, certain California, you should, you know, make your tax incentive a little bit better, right? People yeah, are but, yeah that. but Brad, it's such a star, blah, blah, blah. And you're about, you know, no, the thousand. Although, like, bro, we went to Hollywood uh, Boulevard yes, two days ago. It was like, yo, we had to dodge bullets running through there. <laughs> like, yeah. This is Hollywood. Ah, get out <laughs> of here. Although saying that, if if LA tax incentives were so great, you would never have Breaking Bad at New Mexico, right? And mm-hmm. that is that is like the best decision they ever made, right? Yeah. You should read, re- also people that want to write, people that want to write screenplays or people even want to write TV, which I know is popular. Just read the pilot for Breaking Bad, right? It is the greatest pirates, uh, pi- pirate script, pirate. pilot script ever written. <laughs> it was a pirate script. Somebody came up making that. <laughs> and the reason why it's the, the reason why it's the greatest pilot ever written is because it's such a page turner. And mm-hmm. with a pilot in particular, for a, for a concept that isn't out there yet, and you really want to be excited about it and the characters, it is such a page turner. You yeah, know, it's phenomenal. And um, in the pilot script, it's all set in California. You know, and, yeah. And, and obviously they made the jump to New Mexico, which was a great decision for their mm. for the story they were telling. But oh, wow. I love that. I love the desert. I'm from Arizona, the desert. So every time I see them like shooting on the desert, it just brings back mem- memories. So you have to read something I'm working on because I'm the feature that I'm working on that I want to film in America as, as my first is called Bad Water Basin, right? Which is set in the in the desert. Um, Bad so I may need your, I may need your, uh, you got both you guys, cause you guys are in the desert a lot. I see you guys in the desert a great deal. <laughs> Did I message you? I was like, where are you? I need yeah. that place. Yeah. yeah. So I'm writing this film and I'm coming up with ideas of what I want the desert in the film to look like, because I really want it to, I don't want the audience to pinpoint its location. So I don't want it to be like the Grand Canyon or it's iconic or, you know, other places. So I want it to be like a cocktail of American deserts. Mm. So I love you guys to read it. I love you guys to tell <laughs> of American deserts. That's a very good description. It, it, no, I honestly like I take my film camera out, my K3 out. Uh, I've been doing it for like three years and just shoot landscapes. Like I kind of do like a location oh. scout, but I have so many landscapes. I just go so, out and shoot. And it's so great. This is something 
this is something why everyone should watch John Ford movies because I think John Ford was the king of the landscape. Yeah, and the best, and the, and the best a... lesson, the best lesson that I learned from John Ford, which I think most people do when they watch his films, is how he does Horizons. Like you should never. They say this. I mean, there's no rules, but they say you should never shoot a horizon like this. You should always shoot it like this or like this. <laughs> All right, never really? shoot it like that. Always shoot. Like, and if you see like, about like higher or lower. That's right. And if you see every single frame of a landscape in any film ever or any painting, more importantly, you'll notice that it's never like that. It's always that. Or it's that. never so, center um, of frame. It's always like just being, a little. That's right. It's oh, always you're either swallowed, you're either swallowed or you're exposed. Mm-hmm. All right. You're never. So that's, I thought it was very interesting. That's oh, yeah, funny. man. I love my paintings. I, Every time I can, I go to, in London, by the way, we have some great galleries, which are all free, all right? The, wow. Tate, the, Mod- the Tate Modern, the National Gallery, the National Portrait Gallery, all free. Free? And all our museum, well, most of our museums here are free. The British Museum, free. National History Museum, free. And I was only there the other day, and you go there and you look around, and just as a way of understanding tone and mood and composition, it's like, it's phenomenal. Don't get me wrong, watching films are great. Moving images are great. But there's something mm. about watching a still image it allows you to have a greater understanding about the importance of framing. You know? I love that's photography, what, that's, man. That's what I think is that's what I think is lost today in a lot of great in a lot of films is that back in the silent days, all they had was the framing, all mm-hmm. they had was the the composition. Mm-hmm. I feel like a great deal of that is lost now. Like I went away and made a, a silent movie. One of the reasons, there's lots of reasons, but one of the reasons I went to make that film was to kind of not only tell a story 100% visually, but to get get an understanding of how framing a movie kind of helps tell the story. I don't know if you've mm-hmm. noticed, but lots of black and white movies like uh, Raging Bull or The Elephant Man or even Schindler's List, the framing in those movies are impeccable. Mm-hmm. And I think the reason because they're so impeccably framed is because there's no color. So our eyes are drawn to the composition. Yep. More so and the blocking out, yeah. We used to read, exactly. So we used to, we used to read in colors, right? So yep. long story short, Look at paintings. <laughs> well, to Toby, I did, me and Charles did a short film that I shot, we shot in black and white and it was a silent picture and it's in the film festivals right now. So, you know, and it's, and I did want to focus only on visual storytelling and that's a great uh, exercise to try, you know, don't worry about I, the words. I didn't know it at about the time. I mean, I didn't know it at the time. I did this short film called Dissonance, which was set in a prison. It was about a world where music was illegal. I think it's I fantastic, by the but, way. Fantasia. But in terms of what I wanted to do, you know, I was like, well, these people don't have a voice in the society, so no one should talk. And a world without music is a world without color, so it should be black and white. So there was a reason for every creative decision. But through that experience, I had to say to myself, how can I make someone from China feel the same way as a person from America? Or how can mm-hmm. I make, you know, so there's no language barrier. So everything is purely visual, right? Yeah. And, as a direct- and as a director, it's a really phenomenal exercise. It's the best thing you can do. Because normally for me, anyway, all of the greats like Hitchcock and David Lean and John Ford, they all came from studying silent movies yeah, right? or, they, or they watch silent films. We so, had nothing to convey motion except actors and lighting. And framing and cinematography and editing. So, which I think now is lost. People are so hell-bent towards oh. what's the line, how is, how is the line said, how much dialogue do I have? It shouldn't be about yeah. It should be about framing, angle, lens presence lighting mm-hmm. mood tone mood and tone mood and tone mood and tone yeah yeah tone well is said. the most important thing in a film if you had no, yeah. if your tone is inconsistent you're in trouble you're gonna lose your audience yeah yeah 100 mm-hmm, what is the oh, tone? well 
Yeah, what is and it? And on that I mean, note, and on that note. <laughs> and on that note, uh, you guys, thank you so much for listening. Uh, thank you, Toby, for your time. You've got some great things that are going to happen for you in the future. And hopefully when this episode comes out, it'll already be done. And I can't wait to see everything that you that you are going to do because you, you, you are brilliant. You really are. You guys brilliant. are brilliant. You're brilliant. Can I ask you a question? Is that hair real? Yes. Okay. Just have to no. check. He's been growing it since 2020. So I, I can't take it off. Some people uh they made threats of me. Like, like if get offended. Off, if you take off the wig when you're on Set Stories podcast ever again, we'll come after you. So oh, I'm, I'm not gonna hear this. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, I don't know why. What started this? Why? I, I don't know. Um, it's 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 your personality, man. I love it. I, I can't look at anything else, man. Just... Oh, I remember. <laughs> No, I remember now because we're desperate for viewers. <laughs> it didn't work. <laughs> but honestly, thanks you guys so much for listening. Uh, we have a new little website. It's shorter. It's sweeter and to the point. It's setstories.com. Used to be setstoriespodcast.com, but now go to setstories.com. Less for less keys for you to enter in. We're so losing the pot now. Is there no drugs involved? Well, yeah, we got uh, letters from attorneys and corporations. <laughs> I was uh, going to suggest. I was going to suggest the next the next interview we should do. We should, we should all be stoned. I think that'd be fun. I right? was getting high. Yeah, yeah. I was like, it's the podcast. Oh, but nobody Let's see how that episode goes. I was, <laughs> I was chiefing uh, Pacific Pacific Stone, the banjo sativa from uh, Sun Valley. Our sponsor, right? Our sponsor. sponsor yep. Who yep. they're going to totally. listen to this is now. I'll be like, hey, we mentioned you guys at the last <laughs> totally. minute of our episode. <laughs> But yeah, please, guys, go ahead and go on setstories.com. You can listen to all the episodes on that website. Uh, we've got our merch link. You can wear our shirt to set. You can wear it while you're listening to this episode. You can wear it to you sleep. Use it as a rag when you dry your car. You use you it walk. as a blanket. Do you guys have hats? Do you guys have hats? We do have hats. We have hats. We have all kinds of ill-tastic Ill stuff. Yes. That, that we, uh, we now, only because we say so. Now he's going to wear it. We do have stuff. That joke. I don't wear it on the podcast. This is jolly shot. Yay. But we do have stuff. You see, I can't. Oh, wow. I keep forgetting that we can do the like the set story. You can do a hat. Do oh, that's hat. Awesome. Other set stories, and you could even get a mug. Grip juice. Proud sponsor of set stories. Drink that shit, son. <laughs> awesome. And please don't forget to follow us on our Instagram. If you guys don't know, if you're not following it, what are you doing? It's Look at, at the link set, below. Yes. Set. This is not a YouTube video. Set oh, underscore stories underscore podcast with a T. Uh, and if you guys want to share your stories, please DM us. We want to we wanna repost. We want to uh, make set environment better. And, you know, because we're all in this together at the end of the day. You know what I mean? And then yeah. the only way we can make it better is if we're honest with each other in our yes. stories. So we yes. can avoid these things from happening again. <laughs> on, a, on a very <laughs> positive... On a positive note, there is positive things happening in the film industry, at least in America. There's, um, a, I, believe, I believe it's called IATSE Stories, or um, they, they share a lot of set stories and whatnot. But there's also things going on with keeping, uh, with getting rid of 12-hour days, which I think we should bring up in every episode of the podcast, um, how now it's in the courts to make the regular, um, I think, 10-hour days or 8-hour days to be like eight a regular Eight or 10, work. yeah. Eight or 10, yeah, and stop this 12-hour day stuff. And there's a lot of people stepping up saying, like, legit people, like, people that make movies that we watch, 
And they're like, yeah, like they, they had moments of almost dying on, you know, like having people that just they safety, knew died. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And safety. having no life outside of yeah, work. No life, exactly. Like you you um, wake up, you go to work for 14 hour, 18 hour days, and then you sleep and then you for like two hours and you have to get up again. And that's just not healthy that adds mentally. Up the week. It's, it's what? just, it's horrible. Gonna... But yeah, we I mean, can I'm change it. Store. We can change it. I'm old school. That should be a 12 hour turnaround if you've done 12 hours of shooting, right? Yes. There's, and then there's those. It should but, be. It is. But then you have Clint, the Clint Eastwoods that get their shit done in eight hours. And then I would book Clint Eastwood. But it's, I'm off for shorter days. That's why. I'll tell you why Clint Eastwood finishes early because he has 60 years of intuition. All right. Mm-hmm. And it <laughs> yeah. takes 60 years to get it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 60 years. We could probably do eight hour days. To walk in a room and be like, boom, 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 right? The shoot and go home. Right. And that's Clint Eastwood. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, yeah. we're, gonna be, we're gonna definitely be bringing that up. Um, some uh, things that no, are going it's, on. It's very important. Very important. Yeah. It is. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know about over here in the UK, what the UK are doing about it, but I'm sure if, um, I'm sure they'll follow suit if, uh, if, if Hollywood has its way, I think. They're uh, doing it. So, yeah. yeah, no, absolutely. Because, um, I mean, over here in the UK, people are very, um, you know, when it comes to, we don't do, like, we, we go home, you know, when things happen like that. You know, mm-hmm. go home. Um, the mentality is, you know, we get given these hours, these are the hours we do. And then we pack up and go and see our families and go to the that's pub life. right that's important yeah it is it is very important I, yeah. wish, I, I wish the pub culture was more a thing in america you know you finish the shoot and you all go to the pub there's an incentive hang out right yeah <laughs> awesome well thank you guys for listening again uh yeah, yeah. follow us on instagram sisterstories.com you know how it is we'll see you guys next week thank you so much toby for taking the time thank to you. talk to us thank you, uh, no, thank yeah. you guys you, you guys got up you early guys. you guys got up early no, it's, it's all right. It's not it's early totally for us. Fine. To do this, it's great. I mean, we're supposed to be getting up early, be doing something. We're not going to be lazy, like, oh, we're be doing the yeah. podcast. That Always happened. Creating. That, that was happening the last four months. Like, what could we be doing? We could be doing the podcast, but we're lazy. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> all right. We love you guys. We'll see you guys next week. See y'all Bye. next week. Yeah. Bye.